Well, good evening, church family. It's so awesome being in the house of the Lord. Why don't we just rise and we begin to worship and open our hearts today. Conquers all anxiety. Let it rise. Let praise arise. We see your name in the dark and it changes everything. We sing with all we are when we claim your victory. Let it rise. Let praise arise. Giants fall. Fear cannot survive when we praise The God of breakthroughs on our side. Forever lift him high. With all creation cry, God, we pray. Oh, we pray. Oh, we pray. Let faith be the song that. song that calms the storm inside of me. Let it rise. Let praise arise. Come on, sing. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll wash the giant's pull. It cannot survive when we praise. God breakthroughs on our side. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We come on, people of heaven, say. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. Shout of a praise today. Nothing can stand against us in the power of God. Amen. Give it up for our Lord and our Savior.
Jesus. God, you're just so good. You're good today. You were good yesterday, tomorrow, and every day. Amen. Let's sing this next song out of faith. You are good. You are good. When there's nothing good in me, you are love. You are love. On display for all to see.
that song we just sang, it says, nothing compares to your embrace. It reminds me of how, you know, when you just need a hug and you and you go to your dad or you go to your mom and you don't have to say anything and you just walk up to them and they just know to put their arms around you or you have that friend or that spouse and they just know you don't need anything else, just the embrace. You might be sitting in this place right now and need the embrace of the Heavenly Father. Would you just reach up to Him and say, Heavenly Father, I just, I need you. He knows you need His embrace and He will follow you. Heavenly Father, would you just embrace us? Good or bad, we just need you. We need to feel your presence. We run to the Father in this
His love He lavished on us and called us children of the King. And in His love and kindness, He chose the lowly and the weak. And His heart is good. With the cross he proved, he is on my side. We are the sons, we are the daughters of God. No matter where we go, we're close to the Father's heart. No, we- 
Lord, would you just help us in this place? Accept that truth right now. It may be overwhelming and inconceivable to someone that we could always run to you for that embrace that we need. But Lord, help us here today acknowledge and accept that you are our Father, that we are the sons and daughters of Christ. And we run to you, Abba, Father. We run to you. Lord, as we just prepare to hear the word that you have prepared for us today, would you help us hear it and not just hear it and not listen and not apply it? Would you help us take in a meaning that will change our lives? Not just a little, not just for five minutes while we sit in here, but that it would change something about us as we walk out to be the salt and light of this world. Lord, Heavenly Father, right now we're also praying for our children that are out at IYC. Heavenly Father, not just that they have a great time. We want them to enjoy the company of other youth that are Christians, that are living their life for you, Heavenly Father, but we want them to be radically transformed and come back on fire for you so that they can live their purpose for which you have created them. Heavenly Father, we pray for our leadership right now that has taken the youth. We pray for Pastor Cindy and uh, Pastor Mansfield, Lord, that are out of, of service today. Lord, I pray your blessing be upon them. Would you guide them? And be with them as well. Give them strength and give them peace, whatever it is that they are doing, Lord. And mostly we pray today for our speaker today, Lord. I pray your anointing upon him. That the words that he speak today be the words that come from you. That they go deep into our souls and bear good fruit. Lord, we pray for our city that is always in constant chaos, Heavenly Father. But we know that you are the God in the midst of it all. We pray for our state. We pray for our nation that has all kinds of things going on right now. But in the midst of it all, again, we proclaim that you are God and your will will be done. Lord, thank you so much for all that you've done for us, individually and collectively. Thanks for what you are doing right now and for what you will do. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, it's so awesome to see you guys here today. I know I don't usually get to come up to the front, but would you all just turn to one another and say, hello, I'm so glad to see you in the house of the Lord. Wow. We have a talkative group tonight here, AJ. That's awesome. I'm glad you guys are making friends at church. That's awesome. So my name is Roxy de Santiago. As you could just see, I'm part of your worship team. It's an honor to worship with you guys. You may all be seated. Um, and so it's good to see you guys are all making friends. AJ here, tell us who you are. So awesome to be here with you guys tonight. I feel so happy when I come here on, on Wednesdays because it's like it's we're right there towards the weekend. But, you know, it feels like the weekend's been dragging. But then I get to come here and I get to see you guys. I get to be with our team and I just get to have a, just a fresh breath of just a 
God is still with me. God is still good. Amen. And we're going to have a three-day weekend coming up. Yes, we do. Three-day weekend. Definitely. Uh, real quick before we start, um, I don't want to embarrass anyone. We don't want to embarrass anyone. But is anyone here visiting for the very first time? Anybody? Oh, we, I, see, I see a family in the welcome, back. Welcome, welcome. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. And then if you're joining with us online today, uh, thank you for uh, tuning in online. So before we get started, we just have a couple of announcements for you guys. So first announcement is for the new believers um, don't forget that every Sunday our new believers have a new class at 11 a.m. It's just kind of one of those classes where, you know, you come in the church, you hear the word of God, and um, you say, yes, I do, I want to follow. But then it, it doesn't come with like an instruction manual. And so sometimes you need someone to help you along the way because it can get complicated. So class at 11 a.m., room 106, I hope you guys can all join us. Together with that is fortify your spiritual strengths, which is a little bit of a different class, which is once you've been here for a while and you want to get stronger in the word of the Lord, that class is 9 a.m. in room 102. Also, every Sunday, the teachers there are Hazel and Ronald Erickson. Excellent, but there, it's just another one of those ways that you can grow in your walk with Christ. Definitely. And then the other class that we have following right after that is... Uh... Oh, just kidding, you already did that. Uh, discipleship class. Discipleship class being taught by Pastor Sonia Garcia. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, we'll be on Sundays from 11 a.m. to noon in room 104. Man, discipleship is so important, especially when you're following Christ because Christ was a disciple. He discipled his, his disciples, and he sent us to go be fishers of men, right? So this is a really good class to... Um, to learn about that. How do we become disciples? How do we go out there and reach out to a lost and broken world? So, and she is very awesome at what she does. So make sure you're there for that. So I made him do that class because I thought it would be kind of weird if he did this next announcement because it's for sisterhood. So I thought it'd be weird if he did the sisterhood (laughs) announcement, but you know, I've been to a couple of these sisterhood gatherings. It's really just a real chill laid back kind of time of just fellowship with other sisters in Christ. Nothing particularly complicated about it. Everybody just shows up, and it's, it's kind of like a, a potluck. Everybody brings some kind of breakfast, and by the end of it, you know, us ladies, we know what to bring for breakfast. Man, your plate gets awesomely good. Last time I was here, there was this, like, peanut butter chocolate crunchy bar, but it was breakfast because it had Rice Krispies in it. Can I get an Amen. Amen. That's breakfast right there. Um, but, but not only are you fed some good stuff, but you're fed, your spirit is fed, <clears throat> not just from the speakers, which will be Sonia Cleveland this time around, but also from just sitting there and talking with some ladies in Christ. Sometimes we just need that. Amen. All right. That's, that's a good one for you not to do, good. AJ. Awesome. Definitely. <laughs> and then on July 6th, July 6th from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m., New Beginnings is sponsoring a concert at Hoffmantown Church Amphitheater and Park. Uh, the park opens at 3 p.m. Uh, honestly, don't really know a, whole, a lot about that, but they're going to have a lot, of, uh, a lot of artists playing, and it's just going to be a really good, nice of, uh, night of worship um, to worship, be in fellowship with our other brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, so just come on out. We'll, we'll be there. I guess that reminds me if whatever we're saying doesn't make sense or we forget to say the date or something like that. All of this information is on our website and on our Facebook page and, of course, on your app. 
Um, the next announcement that I have here, though, is VBS. Uh, VBS is awesome time for kids. Uh, and you guys as parents get to drop off your kids and have a couple of hours of freedom for a whole week. Um, you know, I know sometimes it gets a little crazy. You're like, oh, why do we have to do all of these things with our kids? But I'll tell you that it is those lessons that they learn in VBS that they will turn to later when maybe they're not walking quite right with Christ or maybe they're facing a crisis. And that silly, you know, quote, silly little lesson that I heard in VBS will suddenly come to their mind and the key message will suddenly be there. And the Bible says that if you raise your children in the way of the Lord, when they are adults, they will not depart from it. And that's what that means. Teach them when they're young. So bring your kids to VBS. They also have a blast. You get some time off from them. And it's important for them to learn something. Definitely. And as a former educator, too, uh, I can tell you the, the children in, in that age, their mind is at a point where they're able to learn and absorb so much more information than we can as adults. So if they can learn as much as, much as they can there at VBS, imagine how much they'll grow later on in life. You know, so it's, it's awesome. Yeah, that's why we have to take me personally discipleship class three times because I didn't learn it as quickly as I did when I was learning VBS. It's a good refresher. <laughs> All right. Um, finally, for those of you that are new to the church or even if you've been here for a while and you've never done this, we have a Meet the Pastors Day. It's July 24th from 12.30 to 1.30 in room 106. So come meet the pastors, find out who they are, find out how they can help you and all of the great things that um, that happen at this church. There are hundreds of other things that are happening. There's always something exciting going on for different types of age groups and different interests. I encourage you all to look at either the Facebook page or the website or download the app so you can keep up with that, especially if we forgot to give you any dates or times, which is possible, right, AJ? We're not. We're not the pros at this. Where's no, Lena when you really need her? She's at IYC. That's not fair. But um, youth, it's so awesome. Oh, she's here. Hey, Lena. Um, why aren't you up here? Youth, it's awesome to see you guys. You are all dismissed. I hope you guys go and have a great time in the Lord over there. And um, I think that's it for her announcements, right? Last thing. Oh, last um, All of this, everything we do here at New Beginnings Church, this building that we're sitting in right now, the chairs, the lights, VBS, IYC, camp, and food distributions, and everything that we do to reach out to the community, it wouldn't be possible without your guys' faithful tithing. And offerings. So we just want to say thank you. Everything we do, it's all because of you guys. So honestly, a round of applause for you guys for keeping this church alive. <laughs> um, so you can give if you decide to give. Uh, we have, you can go on uh, our website, nbcabq.com, or our mobile app that we have in the App Store. Or uh, we have envelopes outside and pins if you choose to do that. You know how you, you take care of that, you know your finances. So we just want to say thank you again. And that is it. All right. Now, we've survived. Um, would you all just um, put your hands together for, with a warm welcome for our speaker for tonight? He's been speaking the last three Wednesday nights. He's been bringing some powerful messages. Hopefully, they have ministered to you. I believe that tonight is the last night of his presentation, of his, of his um, preaching here tonight. But it's been a joy to have him. Would you all just welcome to the pulpit Pastor Steve Stewart?
It says it's green. Oh, every week. How to start with a bang, huh? Um, okay. Well, thanks for letting me come and share with you guys this month. I've really appreciated the opportunity, and as I expressed last week, I just love being with you. And um, we, my wife and I, are going to be, um, we are going away on Tuesday for about five weeks. So if you don't see me, uh, that's why. And the, one of the reasons I'm bringing that up is we have a book table. I've mentioned to you the last couple of weeks, uh, there was a book, When Everything Changes, which really lays out in detail, uh, including the thing on the, the healing model, and, uh, and a book called The Journey, which is just kind of supernatural stories we've got from around the world. I wanted to let you know tonight about a book called uh, The Beatitudes for a Time of Crisis. I wrote this one... Um, well, I wrote it about two years ago. I think it was published about a year and a half ago. I really believe that the, the core curriculum, the core agenda, the foundation, the constitution for us is the Sermon on the Mount. And I believe that the nucleus of that is the Beatitudes. And uh, so I wrote a book, uh, really how they apply in this time that I think we would all agree is somewhat a time of crisis that just... The good times just keep rolling, don't they? Um, we had another technical difficulty. I found out again I don't have the slides. So what I wanted to do, I, I began with talking about uh, moving in the rhythm of the kingdom. I don't know if any of you remember that. Is it possible for the house lights to be up just a little bit? Is that a problem? Okay. Um, Oh, yeah, I don't need as much of me, but I'd like more of you. Um, so we did that, and then we talked a little bit about how we released the kingdom. And then last week, very specifically, and it was a full night, and I went as fast as I could, but I know we went a little over, and I apologize, where we talked about healing. And remember, I gave you a real simple healing model that you can use. So um, you would have had this, but... You've got your phone or your tablet, so let's just see if anybody remembers it. The first thing you ask a person is, what do you need? Remember that? What do you need? And get them to be specific. You know, not, oh, I've got pain in my back. Where in your back? Right here. You want to know what you're praying for. And then the second one was, listen to God. Anybody remember that? Uh, and then we talked about inviting God's love. And remember, that was just a case of you're watching, you pray with your eyes open, and you're watching uh, as the Holy Spirit comes and rests. And you can tell the more you do it, the quicker you'll see that God shows up in a few seconds. And maybe their eyelids will flutter, or maybe maybe they'll just suddenly get hot, or sometimes they sway, whatever it may be. It's just a little sign from the Lord to let you know He's at work. And then number four Instead of asking God to please heal, remember we talked about the fact that he delights to heal and that we have authority? Who remembers that? Anybody? Six of you. All right. Um, because of that, when we pray, um, we, instead of saying, God, please heal Fred, we command the healing. Remember that? 
Our focus is on in the name of Jesus. I speak to the pain in your knee right now and I tell it to go. Receive healing. Do you guys remember that? And that's a big shift. You put your hand where the pain is. Your eyes are open. You want to see something. You want to see what God's doing. And then after you've prayed, and you notice it's very, very, very short prayer. That's going to be really hard for some of us. But I've watched this for 40 years, the correlation between short, direct, confident prayer and results versus long prayer. It's so easy for us to pray ourselves right out of faith, right? So we command the healing, and then number five, do you remember? It was tested out. Get them immediately to do something they couldn't do. If it's, they're all better, that's wonderful. I tell them that was a gift from Jesus. He's got another gift for you, and then you just begin to just share the love of Christ with them. If they say it's a lot better but not all better, you just say, thank you, Lord. We're going to just pray again, not louder, not longer. Just Thank you for what you're doing. In the name of Jesus, the rest of the pain leaves your knee right now. Do you guys remember that? Okay. So, number one is what do you need? What's number one? Hello? Number one. Number two. Number three. Wow, you guys are pretty good. Number four. And number five. Okay. I wish I had that. You know, I could arrange to get uh, to get that written out. Thomas, would that be a good idea? I could just get a, a handout that we could have out in the in the mall or something. Would anybody like to have that as a reference point? Okay, let's move on. Because tonight, after talking all about the kingdom and about healing, I want to talk about. The most important thing of all, the foundation for everything, for all of this. It's not authority, though we have authority. Remember that? It's not power, dunamis, though he gives power and authority. The foundation is compassion. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. Because that's what keeps us balanced in this whole thing. That's what keeps us not saying, oh, I, you know, I prayed for two knees and an arm yesterday. No, you didn't. You prayed for a man who was in pain, a lady, you understand? Compassion is what keeps us grounded. So, I'm going to say some stuff. Some of it, well, let's just get there. We'll see how you do. We'll see how I do. You guys, again, two weeks in a row, dang it, you're really quiet. (laughs) Tell the person beside you, you know, you can make a bit of noise. It's okay. Tell them that. All right? All right. Praise God. Hallelujah. So why is compassion so important? Oh, man, now we got Tomas cut loose and we're just in trouble. Um, Compassion is a reflection of Christ. And and, and I, I have been studying, I told you before, kind of the mystery of Christ for about 12 years, hard. And he just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. He's bigger than however big you thought he was, he's bigger. He is eternal, he's infinite, he's all those words that we so easily use. But when we begin to really meditate 
contemplate these things, we see he is at the center of everything. I gave you a scripture the first week from Colossians 1. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. All things created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. We must recognize the wonder of the incarnation. Jesus, we, 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 every Christmas, you know, Pastor Richard was talking about it on, on Sunday. But the incarnation is not just an event that happened. It's a resetting of everything. It's a resetting of the cosmos. It, it, is, it is the ultimate recreation that carries into eternity. And, and it carries... Just as, as Jesus reveals the Father, right? We know that. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Everybody go like this. We know that. Jesus reveals the Father. His creation reveals the Creator. Do you understand? Whatever I create comes out of what's in me. And that's what the creation is. So just as Jesus holds everything together, the way Jesus moved is the way the whole of the cosmos moves. The movement of the triune God, a phrase that I love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in this incredible, infinite, I've told you that the church fathers called it the divine dance. The movement of the triune God is always a movement of love, compassion, and forgiveness, the grace of God, always, not retributive, not stern, not wrathful, the movement of God, because Jesus was never stern, retributive, or wrathful, he fully reveals Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the whole movement of the cosmos, my wife knows when I got a hold of this somewhere, somehow, it shifted the way I preach. It shifted the way I teach. It shifted everything. I'm telling you there's a movement to the cosmos. And that movement is always in the direction of love and forgiveness and compassion. That's why Jesus said at the end of the Lord's Prayer, remember you read the Lord's Prayer and you're feeling really good, and then he says, and if you don't forgive anybody, my Father in heaven won't forgive you. Remember that? No, here's what he meant. The whole movement of creation, which is a reflection of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is toward forgiveness and compassion and love. That's the movement of it. When I decide not to forgive, he doesn't go, it's just, I'm moving away. I'm moving away from the grace of God. That's why the writer to Hebrews said in, in Hebrews 13.9, he said, let your hearts be established by grace. I love that verse. It's actually the second half of that verse. Let your hearts be established by grace. Meditate on that, Hebrews 13.9. You see, this is much bigger than try to be compassionate. We have turned so much of the gospel into you should, you could, you oughta, Instead of recognizing when we begin to move in that rhythm of the creator and his creation, 
the grace, the empowering presence of God flows through our lives. You guys with me? Compassion is the why of the kingdom. I've been telling you a little bit about the what and the how, but compassion is the why. What is compassion? Well, it means to suffer with. If anybody cares, my friends know that I have fun teaching this word, splanknozomai. Isn't that a great word? Say splanknozomai. Go be brave. Say it again. It just means compassion. But compassion does not, biblically, does not mean pity or feeling sorry. It means to suffer with. That's what it means. So when Jesus had compassion, he was entering into their pain and their suffering. You understand, of course, that on the cross he took not only our sin, he took our brokenness. So why do we so easily slip into a gospel that says you've got to get it together? He didn't come that we'd get it together. He came to come alongside. He co-suffers with us. You can read all about that in Isaiah. Start at 40 and go to 54. The suffering servant. But that's another time. He was moved with gut-wrenching compassion. He felt the pain of them. He cried. He wept, right, when Lazarus died. Why? He knew he was going to raise them. Why? Because he entered into the pain of Mary and Martha and Lazarus' friends. And he entered into a degree that Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, wept. He felt the the leper, that he was moved with compassion with the leper because he felt not only his, his deep, deep sense of isolation, but great discouragement. Even feeding the 5,000, I get a kick out of this. He says, I feel compassion. And for the 4,000, I feel compassion for those hungry people. He feels compassion for the hungry. By the way, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread, I do not think that we're praying, oh Lord, help me make my mortgage payment. Right? Which is how we translate that. I believe it's intercession for the over 2 billion people who tonight will go to bed with a level of hunger most of us don't even know. I believe it was intercession because of splanknozomai, because of compassion. I love, like you, I've got so many gospel stories that I just love. But one of my very favorites is John 8, the woman caught in adultery. And we're not going to take time to go through the story. You're nodding. You know the one. She's, she's caught in the very act. Do you ever wonder where the guy is? But that's another. Yeah, all the women go, yeah. And you know what happened. And she's thrown down in front of the crowd, probably naked or semi-naked, in great shame. And the religious people, this is their moment to trap Jesus. And remember, he, he, he stoops down and he writes in the ground. And we don't know what he wrote. And, uh, but he says, whoever's without sin, throw the first stone. And they left one by one, starting with the oldest, right? Because we got the longest list. And, and then here is what absolutely, picture this. They've been standing around this woman, throwing down on the ground. They're just, ah. And what's Jesus do? In writing in the ground, what's he doing? He's coming down where she is. 
I'm with you. And he says, oh, my daughter, you're free. You don't have to sin anymore. You've got a new life. That's compassion. compassion look like? One of my favorite verses in, is in the, the, the uh, parable of the prodigal son. In verse 15, uh, 20, Luke 15, verse 20 says this, and while he, the, the son, while he was yet a long way off, his father saw him, felt splanknozomai for him, ran to him and embraced him, and one translation says, and kissed him and kissed him. I think that one verse will tell us an awful lot about what compassion is. It was so central to Jesus. So what's it look like? First of all, compassion sees a long way off. It sees beyond itself, beyond its own inhibitions, its own problems, its own hassles, right? Jesus said in this life you're going to have hassles, right? Remember in John? But it sees beyond that. It looks beyond itself. Now, folks, we live in a time like no other. I get to, and maybe some of you do too, but we get to do things now at Impact Nations we couldn't do 10 years ago. We couldn't do some of them five years ago. We get to connect either through Zoom and FaceTime or through transferring money. We get to connect to the broken people all over the world. And we become more aware now, don't we, of what's going on. Yesterday, it was the truck in San Antonio. Today, it was more footage of that shopping mall that was, uh, the missile was hit in, uh, in Ukraine. We live in a different time. We live in a different time. So I believe more than ever, we need to look a long way off. We need to look beyond ourselves. We need to see the barrios in Central America. I was in, I went down to Tijuana with some friends. In fact, one of them's here. And uh, I, I had some medical friends and we went across the border to those refugees. You know, the ones that are just trying to take our jobs and get another $3 an hour. No, we went to the broken. And we met thousands over the four days. And their stories were, in one sense, achingly similar. In another, each one was unique. I, we, met, we met a family with a five-year-old and an eight-year-old who'd walked by foot from Honduras. Do you know how far that is? To get to the border, and of course they would just turn back. This was just before COVID. I saw story after story. We were running for my life. They killed my husband in front of my kids. We've got to run. This is the reality of the world we live in right now. And evil's getting worse. So the light needs to shine even more. So we need to see beyond ourselves to those borders, to those barrios, and I don't care what your politics is, and you don't care what mine is. But we care 
about people in desperate death. Do you know how dangerous it is to be a woman in Juarez right now or Tijuana when the sun goes down? God is light, the enemy is darkness, and literally when it gets dark, oh my, compassion sees beyond ourselves. Compassion sees to the villages in East Africa where the people are sick and dying from, from chronic waterborne disease. Compassion sees to the people I've told you about that are trapped in slavery in, in all over Southeast Asia. I've told you about getting kids out of the brick factories. Some of you might remember that. Compassion has to see beyond ourselves, folks. So, number one, compassion sees a long way off and looks beyond itself. Number two, compassion sees the invisible. He's coming down the road, that son, and nobody else notices him. Only the father runs to him. Compassion sees the ones that others don't see. Compassion sees the elderly in our neighborhoods. I have a a dear brother in the Lord And I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but the bottom line is when he went to an elderly neighbor's house and said hello, she invited him in and then said, you're the first person to come in the door in 20 years. This city's full of them, folks. Compassion sees the latchkey kids. Compassion sees the homeless in our city. But compassion sees the single moms who are trying to somehow feed and house their kids on not enough money. I go spend time in some of those places, some of the subsidized housing and just areas here. I think more than the homeless, these single moms, many of them from other countries, a lot from Africa here actually, I think they are the most invisible. Number three, compassion is a bridge to the isolated, the harassed, the pinned down. And again, I probably don't have time to tell you, but well, I'll tell you one. I'll tell you one. There was a, I'll make it short. Oh, I probably have to stay up here, don't I? Sorry. I think better when I walk. Um, we were in India and uh, we recognized there was a great problem with widows. There's 30 million widows in India. To be a widow in India, typically you're only about uh, 15 to 30 years old because it's arranged marriages with old guys, and when they die, you're thrown not only out of the house but out of the village because widows are bad luck. So they have almost no options. They, uh, they have prostitution, there's begging, and there's suicide. And... Uh, our friends encountered this gal named Joti, who had nothing, and that was her situation. And they rescued her. In fact, there's two of them. Rescued in the act of trying to take their life in hopelessness. And we brought in, and we had a, a training center and a place where they could live and teach sewing and everything. Well... She finished. She took sewing. We had to teach her how to read and write the numbers one to ten, because just some poor, you know, they're treated like nothing. But you see, compassion is a bridge. So I'll, I'll cut to the chase. She finished at the top of the class. They hired her as a teacher. 
A year later, she said, may I start my own school? Then she got a contract in one of the biggest cities in India making high-quality clothes. Maybe some of them are on the, count, on the shelves here. And she started with nothing, thinking nothing of herself. That's how powerful compassion is. You guys still with me? Number four, compassion compels action. Say action. The father ran to the son. He didn't delay. He didn't saunter. He didn't wonder. He didn't pray about if he should go. He ran to the son. There's an immediacy that the gospel calls for. If we are going to live biblically, we must act. Action is where life happens. And I'll tell you, action is where the gospel of the kingdom happens. I told you about the, 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 the kids uh, in the brick factory, slaves, three generations. For those who weren't there, it, we work a lot with people in terrible situations, and this is in northern India. And, and they're in slavery, and all they do from the time they're about four is make bricks until they get old and die. And they only get a little bit of food once a day, and they're so hungry. I know this because we saw it. They, they add brick dust to the rice to try to increase it. Now, when I found that out, I was horrified. I was shocked. Just like when I went into a beggar's community and I saw kids eating dirt off the ground. And I remember I, I teared up, which happens to me sometimes. I just kind of went away from the team and had a little cry. So, so far, what I'd entered into is pity. But blank nozomai, biblical compassion is beyond pity. It requires action. And so that's why we have the thing I told you more about, you know, we've, We've now got schools and we've got these kids in schools and we're in I don't even know how many factories and we're at 1,600 kids we've rescued and all that. But, but that's not the point. The point is the way we got there wasn't seeing the situation and going, that's terrible. And good old Steve going and having a cry. It compels action. The father ran to the son. Number five. <coughs> Pardon me. Compassion embraces. He wrapped his arms around him. It connects. It includes. Compassion creates a safe place. I love Psalm 68. It says he puts the lonely in families. Compassion creates a safe place. Right now, we need a safe place for immigrants and refugees. Did you know, this is, this is just fact, not opinion, since 2017, there has been a huge increase in racial attacks on immigrants and refugees in our American cities. Did you know that? Compassion embraces and comforts. Compassion changes the atmosphere. I've told you stories of the atmosphere being changed all over. I've told you... You know, I could tell you stories here, good old U.S. and Canada, where we're going into terrible, terrible Section 8 housing, and, and we keep going and going, and the atmosphere changes. Literally, we had one that was the highest crime place in the Tri-City where we were, and 
after 18 months of going there about every six weeks and just doing kingdom stuff, all the drug dealers left and it completely changed. Compassion is powerful. Now often, but not always, compassion changes the situation. I was walking through a village in another part of India with other folks, and there was a woman, and I don't know if I mentioned this to you or not, I can never remember the stories I tell. There was this woman, just skin and bone, lying on a mat, a woven, probably grass or reed mat. And she'd obviously had a stroke, and it was just terrible. And uh, suddenly I felt like the Lord said, go pray for her. And I don't just go pray for everybody I see. Right? Remember I talked to you about faith? Something just rises up, that gift, and all of a sudden, and I prayed for her, and it was incredible. Like that, these skin and bones arms just went, and her legs went, and she jumped up. She'd been lying there forever. That was her perch in the village, and she jumped up and she runs away. And she told a whole bunch of people what Jesus did. And I felt, how many would feel pretty good? Anybody here? You guys are awake, right? Okay. But let me tell you, compassion doesn't always change things because 15 minutes later there was a man who was paralyzed who pushed himself along on this little cart. And I prayed for him, full of faith, because what i just seen and nothing happened. I went back the next day and prayed for him and nothing happened. God is a mystery. I told you that last week. But I know he's always good. I know he's always good. Compassion cannot fix everything. But it can and it must connect with and come alongside the broken and the impressed. Sometimes all I can do is put my arms around people. I was thinking about a gal when we were in Haiti after the huge earthquake. And they, there was this kind of refugee camp ad hoc put together. And it was at the bottom of the hill. And whenever it rained, and it rains like crazy in Haiti, all the refuse would come down and went right into her tent and others. And she was just trying to scrape it out. It was terrible. She'd lost everything. And I couldn't fix it. All I could do was I sat down in the dirt with her. I tried to pull some dirt out. I gave her my hat. That's all I could do. But at least I saw her. She wasn't invisible. Okay. Wow. I need a lot of time that I don't have. Take my word for it. You, there's, a few, there's a few of you note takers here. Jesus' whole life was an identification with the poor and those who were suffering injustice. Psalm 72, 12 to 14. He will rescue the poor when they cry to him. He will help the oppressed when they have no one to defend them. He feels pity for the weak and the needy and he will rescue them. He will redeem them from oppression and violence for their lives are precious to him. I love that passage. Psalm 72, 12 to 14. Jesus personally identifies with the broken, with the widow, with the orphan, with the refugee, with the vulnerable. Think about it. He, he's, he's the one I told you about. He, he's the second person of the Trinity. He could have come to any family. He could have come to Caesar's family. Instead, he comes to this poor woman who is part of the doulos class. That is the, the maidservant class. That's, the, that's just the, the real simple working. That's like the, the, the housekeeping at, at a hotel when you stay there. That's, 
where that's where he was born to. He could have picked anybody. He was born in a feeding trough. When he was dedicated, read all about it in Leviticus 25. There's a whole thing on dedicating your first son. And you, you know, there's the bull and you do this and that and then and at the very end. But if you're too poor for all of that, you can, you can uh, just sacrifice two pigeons. Read about it in Luke 2. Sacrifice two pigeons. He was a refugee. They had to run for their lives. A political refugee. You all understood that, right? They were political, say political refugee. That's who Jesus identified. He was. He didn't just feel bad about it. He said, I'm going to join in with political refugees. I always remember, I was, I was speaking at, a, at this wonderful little church in Uganda. Oh, I forgot to tell you about Uganda tonight. Out at the table, Christina will tell you if you want to come and play with us. Anyway, I was doing that and, and there was... 19 Congolese who had walked 70 kilometers to get away from the violence, running for their life, and they were at church that day. And they were brought in and they prayed for them and somebody translated for them. And when I stood up and I welcomed them as a guest speaker, but in a place I'm very connected with, and I told them that, did you know that Jesus was a political refugee? That he had to run for his life? And there were 19 of them. And you, you cannot imagine the, the grieving, the howling that I heard. Because they never knew that Jesus identified with that one. Well, I've got to move on. I'd like to say some more about it. But you got the idea, right? Spent his last evening in a borrowed room. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. How about if you died and somebody said, well, you can have it for the time being. He died naked and penniless. Jesus, the Son of God, knows what it is like to be a victim of injustice. I won't go on about all the, all the Roman law that was broken in his trial, where he couldn't give defense and it was done at night, etc., etc. So when Jesus calls you and I to follow him, to go where he goes, he's calling us into this life of co-suffering, of seeing the ones that others don't see, of seeing beyond ourselves, of embracing and protecting and caring. He goes to the place of brokenness. This is why Paul wrote Philippians 3.10. We love the first half. That I might know him. Right? I mean, that's great. I like that. But the rest of it says this. The power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. To follow the suffering Jesus, to share in his suffering, means to weep for the hungry, for the abandoned mother, for the trafficked women and children in this city, for the lost. Compassion is completely central to God's heart. Compassion, folks, brings living hope. I watch it in this city. I watch it in the cities and the villages and the slums that I go to. It brings living hope. And Peter's job training, and we got him saying, what, what our team said to me on the phone, either Friday or Monday, I've forgotten which, is, you cannot believe the look on these ladies' faces 
They come to the training early, they stay late, and they're so happy they have hope. That's compassion, folks. That's compassion. All right, I'm going to wrap it up right now. I've got to be done in five minutes. Or I melt. No, that's not it. How do we live compassionate lives? By trying harder? By saying, by gum, this time I'm going to be more loving? Of course not. We move into the rhythm of the grace of God that we started with. May your hearts be established by grace, I told you. Hebrews 13, 9. So what do we do? This is something born of the Spirit. So the first thing, just to give you a few practical things before we're done. I'd say live in the reality of the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. I pray them. In the morning, I'll pray, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I'll just begin to pray that. God, give me your heart. Let me not in any way pretend, not in any way build myself up. Let me be poor in spirit as Jesus, you most certainly were. Beatitude. Secondly, this is really important. We must first receive compassion from Jesus and keep receiving it because you can only give away what you have. If you're not receiving his compassion in an ongoing, I would say daily way, oh, Jesus, you're in me and I'm in you. You belong to me and I belong to you. You can only give away what you've got. Thirdly, before I'm asked to show compassion toward the distressed and the downcast, I'm asked to show compassion to brothers and sisters. Oh, even before I'm asked to show compassion to brothers and sisters who are in pain. First, he asks me to accept his compassion in my life. To be transformed by that acceptance. Paul Tillich said, faith is the courage to accept acceptance. I don't mean theologically who I am in Christ, which is fine. I mean experientially. You're called into experience, folks, not learning doctrine. Though doctrine is good. I teach doctrine. But it's not the core. It's this heart work. You've got to receive so that you can give it away. The degree of our compassion for others demands Uh, depends on our capacity for self-acceptance, which is really just agreeing with Jesus. You note-takers, Song of Solomon 1 verse 5 says, I am dark and yet lovely. Pretty soon I'm going to ask you guys to play quietly and minister to us, okay? In a little bit. You get to just sing freely in the Spirit. That'll be great, Roxy. Song of Solomon 1.5, I am dark and yet lovely. Let me unwrap that for you. When I come to him, I go, oh, I blew it again. Man, I'm such a sinner, Lord. I just feel, uh, I'm so full of shame. He says, shh, shh, shh. I say you're lovely. I say you're lovely. Yeah, but Lord, no. You're lovely. You meditate on that verse for a year or two and see what happens in your heart. 
Because experiencing his compassion is all that's going to keep us walking in grace. So, here's what I want to do. While they play, gently, as they will, I know. Tonight, this is a journey, folks. I call this the road to compassion. The journey, not how to get there. We're in process. I hope I opened up a few things tonight. But at the root of it, it all comes down to me receiving and receiving and receiving. Papa, you love me. Oh, Jesus. See, too many of us think that he loves us conditionally. We don't say it, but we think it. It's in our heart. He loves me if I'm doing well. If I pray, if I read my Bible. He says, no, you're not dark. You're lovely. So here's how I want to finish. Jesus, the Son of God. I'm going to do something with you I, I, I love to do all over the world. When Jesus, the Son of God, was baptized and he came up out of the water his father said this to him you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased he hadn't started ministry yet but he said you are my beloved son you belong to me and I love you And I'm so proud of you. Jesus' heart established by grace. I want you to just get comfortable. That's beautiful. Man, I like the way you play. One guitar player to another. I want you to just get comfortable. Eyes open, eyes closed. I got to be done in five minutes. So I'm done, but now we're going to see when you're done. We're going to see when you're done. I want you to close your eyes and get comfortable. Because never again should you ever believe the lie, I can't hear God, He doesn't talk to me. How could He not talk? He's the Word. And right now, what Papa poured out on Jesus that established his heart in grace, he's going to pour out on us. So just get comfortable, whatever that means. I don't care if you lie down on the floor. I don't care if your eyes are open or shut. This is you and Jesus. Because you can only give away what you receive.
voice of God. I know it because it's Mark 1.11. You are my beloved son. I love you. I love you on your worst day. I love you on your best day because I am love. And there's no other way that I can or will ever come to you except in love. I'm not love and something else. I'm love. And I love you. Oh, daughter. Oh, son. disappointed in yourself. I'm never disappointed in you. Beloved daughter, beloved son, I am never disappointed in you. You are the apple of my eye. I delight in you. I delight in you. I delight in you. Let them go deep, folks. Let them go deep. We're just going to sing over you. We're going to 
Yes, oh God, receive Papa. Receive the love of Papa. I'm my beloved's and he is mine. He is disappointed, never frustrated, just unending love. That's 1 John 4, 8. That's the most profound theology in the entire Bible. God is love. Not impersonal, but personal. Love to you right now. Because what you receive for letting me hang out with you this month. And, uh... Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We thank you for this opportunity to hear your words. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us that we are the sons and daughters of the God Almighty. Help us to walk out these doors and live it in faith in your name we pray. Amen. Church, you are dismissed. It's so good to see you. Have a good night.